Let's look in Daniel chapter 8 tonight, and we're going to read all of Daniel chapter 8, and there's quite a few verses. Um, I don't believe it'll hurt anyone to read all the chapter, but um, this is one of the most, um, how should I put it, attack portions of Scripture in all the Word of God. Um, you know, the, the Bible says we're not ignorant of his devices, the devil's devices. We know the devil, um, the, the, there's, he, he doesn't attack. There's some portions of the Bible you'll never hear anybody criticize, question. But then there's other places like Genesis. And here is one of the greatest, uh, this chapter is one of the, the most attacked because this is one of the greatest chapters that proves the inerrancy and inspiration of the Word of God. I want you to know tonight that this Bible that you hold in your, if it's a King James Bible, if it's a King James Bible, if you look down, it says King James on it, is the most relevant book in the world today. Amen. I believe it's, it's more um, relevant than tomorrow's newspaper. And, and we're going to see that here in Daniel chapter 8. Um, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared unto me, even unto Daniel, after that which appeared unto me at the first. And I saw in a vision, and it came to pass when I saw that I was at Shushan in the palace, which is in the province of Elam, and I saw in a vision, and I was by the river of Ulay. Then I lifted up my eyes and saw, and behold, there stood before the river a ram, which had two horns, and the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other. And the higher came up last. I saw the ram pushing westward and northward and southward so that no beast might stand before him. Neither was there any that could deliver out of his hand. But he did according to his will and became great. And as I was considering, behold, a he-goat came in the west from the west. Now this is different. All the other times they moved west. Now this one's coming from the west. On the face of the whole earth and touched not the ground and the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. And he came to the ram that had two horns, which I had seen standing before the river, and ran unto him in fury of his power. And I saw him clo come close unto the ram, and he was moved with choler. That means anger, disdain. And against him, and smote the ram, and brake his two horns. And there was no power in the ram to stand before him. But he cast him to the ground, and stamped upon him, and there was none that could deliver the ram out of his hand. Therefore, the he-goat waxed very great. And he was strong, the great, and, the, but the, and when he was strong, the great horn was broken. And for it came up four notable ones toward the four winds of heaven. And out of them came forth a little horn, which waxed exceedingly great, exceeding great toward the south and toward the east and toward the pleasant land. And it waxed great even to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host and of the stars to the ground and stepped upon them. Yea, he magnified even to the magnified himself even to the prince of the host, and by him the daily sacrifice was taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down, and a host was given him against the daily sacrifice by reason of transgression. And it cast down the truth to the ground, and it practiced and prospered. Then I heard one saint speaking, and another saint said, now this is just my opinion, I believe that's the two witnesses you read about in Revelations. But anyhow, and a certain saint which spake, how long, 
<coughs> shall be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation. Remember that word desolation. To give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden underfoot. And he said unto me, Unto two thousand and three hundred days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. And it came to pass, when I, even I, Daniel, had seen the vision and sought for the meaning, then, behold, there stood before me as an appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of Uli, which called and said, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. So he came near where I stood. And when he came, I was afraid and fell upon my face. But he said unto me, Understand, O son of man, for at the time of the end shall, shall be the vision." Now, as he was speaking with me, I was in deep sleep, deep sleep on the, my face toward the ground, but he touched me, and he set me upright. And he said, Behold, I'll make thee know what shall be in the last end of the indignation, for at the time appointed the end shall be. The ram which thou sawest having two horns are the kings of Media and Persia. The rough goat is the king of Grecia, and the great horn that is between his eyes is the first king. Now being broken, whereas four stood up for it, four kingdoms shall stand up out of the nation, but not in his power. In the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full, a, tie, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. And his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. And he shall destroy wonderfully and shall prosper and practice and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. And through his policy, that's an interesting word, policy, you know, anyway, uh, shall cause, I'm not going to get distracted, uh, shall cause craft to prosper in his hand. And he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. And the vision of the evening, the morning which was told is true. Wherefore, shut thou up the vision, for it shall be for many days. And I, Daniel, fainted, and was sick certain days. Afterwards, I rose up and did the king's business, and I was astonished at the vision, but none understood it. Father, I pray you'd help me now to be as clear and concise as I can. I pray, Lord, that these deep things from the Word of God would be made plain to me and those that are here. Lord, we thank you tonight that nothing's taken you by surprise. That, Lord, you've seen how this is all going to play out before it ever has played out. And I pray tonight that, Lord, we wouldn't be shook, we wouldn't be afraid, but our faith would be strengthened, our hearts would be stirred by the fact, Lord, that everything that's going on, Lord, is going on according to your plan. Lord, I pray tonight, if there's one here listening or watching at home, or, Lord, listen to this sermon in days to come, I pray you convict their heart, Lord, and show them their lost condition. Help them to realize that the King of Kings is coming. And they must prepare. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. amen. Now, I want to say this. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be, true, I'm going to be as transparent as I am. Daniel chapter 8 intimidates me. Is there anyone here tonight that would like to stand up and give us a, a, a dissertation on what we just read? And to be honest with you, I've been avoiding it for a little bit. And I was almost going to avoid it again tonight. But the Lord got on me about it, and uh, he said, if you want a message for Sunday, you're going to have to preach this one tonight. So I'm going to preach it the best I can. And the pastor's called not just to preach, but also to teach. And that's what we're going to do tonight. I'm going to try to explain to you Daniel chapter 8. If we're going to give a title to this, I, I want to give a title to this chapter as this. The future 
is in God's hands. And if that doesn't help you tonight, I don't know what can. The future is in God's hands. And tonight I'm glad that God is not taken back by anything that's going on in the world today. This was written by Daniel in the latter days of his life. And Brother Larry, I believe he was discouraged. I believe he was disheartened because he thought that that image that he saw in chapter 2 and the crushing of that image and, and that mountain, that rock not hewn by hands. I, I believe that he probably was hoping, if he's like we are, and I believe that he was a man of light passion as we are, he would have thought that it would have happened years earlier and it would already be over and everything would be right. But now it's 60 years later and the, and the image, the head of gold, is still in charge. And God gives him this vision. And, and, and if nothing else, I believe God gave this to him to let him know that the future was in his hands. I don't know about you, but the future sometimes can be intimidating. Uh, you know, and, 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 and it seems like that's been magnified and amplified more in the last two years or so than ever before that there's so much uncertainty and, and people use that to, to manipulate, to control. But I want you to know tonight, God has got it in His hands. Amen. The Bible says that He knows the end from the beginning. The Lord has already been to the end and come back and told us what's going to take place. So tonight I want us to look quickly, and I'm going to try to explain this the best I can. I encourage you uh, to go home and study, and if you want some, I've got, I've got some excellent material on this, some chart things that will just make it plain better than I will, but I've tried to take everything that I've read, I've probably read too much on it, but I've tried to con con you know, kind of uh, cut the fat off and just give you the, the facts so that you understand Daniel chapter 8. If anybody comes to you and challenges the Bible, take them to Daniel chapter 8. And, and I'll give you enough tonight that you can tell, show them the Bible is the Word of God. Quickly here in verse number 1, the Bible says this, In the year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared unto me even unto Daniel, after that which appeared unto me at the first. The first thing I want to note tonight is the revelation of Daniel chapter number 8. This was not something that come from Daniel. This is something that came from God. Daniel, it, it would not have been humanly possible for Daniel to write what he's about to write. And the way, now you know a, a broke clock's right twice a day, you know the old saying, and, and there's some so-called prophets that, and history has been littered by men and people that had made a prophetic thing. They claimed to be, and they got it right. But I want you to know that blind pigs find acorns every day. But this chapter, Daniel, God gives him a revelation and one after another, after another, after another has come to pass. Now Daniel couldn't see it, but now we can look back and see that exactly what God said it came to pass, and because it did, because it was fulfilled literally, we can look at it and say that the other things he said will be fulfilled literally as well. I want you to see the period of revelation. It says in verse one, in the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar. Now, now it's important. It just gives you a kind of a context of when God showed him this. And then I want you to see in verse two the place. It says, "And I saw in a vision. It came to pass when I saw that I was at Shushan." You say, what's important about that? Well, if you study Bible geography and you study the kingdom of Babylon, you'll find that Shushan was just an outlying, pro it was just a 
Basically, Shushan was to Babylon what Dublin is to New York City. You understand? It was, in fact, and I believe the reason Daniel was there is because Belshazzar had no use for Daniel. They basically, Brother David, had put him out in the pasture. And, and if you study Belshazzar, you know he was nothing like Nebuchadnezzar. He didn't believe God. He didn't know God. He didn't want to know God. And they've stuck him out here in Shushan trying to get rid of him, uh, trying to get him uh, uh, out of everybody's mind and out of everybody's sight. But aren't you glad that they, a man cannot put us anywhere that God can't find us? And even though Belshazzar was done with the old Daniel, God wasn't done with old Daniel. The purpose of Revelation. Now follow me. This is important. Beginning in chapter 8. Now beginning in chapter 2, I believe it's verse 4, to chapter 8 and verse 1, this is written in Chaldean. Now you say, what's the big deal about that? That's the Gentile language. That was the language of the Babylonians. And everything that happens in chapter 2, verse 4, down to chapter 8 or chapter 7 and verse 28, primarily has to do with the times of the Gentiles. And it's focused on the Gentile nations, the Gentile kingdoms, the Gentile kings, and everything. But in chapter 8 and verse 1, it switches to Hebrew. And I believe the purpose is, and you read, we're going to see it here in the next coming weeks, from, from the end of verse 28 and chapter number 7 on to chapter number 12, there is a primary focus on the Jew. And I want you to know tonight that if you want to know about what's going on in prophecy, look to Israel. And, uh, and so there's a transition. And so the purpose of this chapter is to tell these Jewish people the things that were going to come to pass in the days to come. And then that's also important because many that teach a different view of the tribulation and millennium than, than I believe, and, my, and most here believe, I, as far as I know, they get mixed up because they take scriptures that are, that are written to a Jew and they apply it to the church or the, or, the, or the saved. So remember that. So the revelation of this book. Now look quickly. I'm gonna, I'm, I've got to hurry. I want to give you the explanation of this chapter. <laughs> so I kind of broke this down. And, and again, if you want the, I can give you, I can give you some more material on this. If you really want to, I encourage you to study. You know, you can read your Bible and not study your Bible. And the Bible says we're to study show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And, and so I want you to notice the explanation. Here's the good thing about Daniel chapter 8. You want to hear it? God explained it for us. And, and it's amazing, Brother Mark, as I've been studying this, I've, I've, I, I, Brother, Brother David, I, I really spent most of my time reading the explanation that God gave. And then I spent a lot of time reading in different uh, materials that I have. And it's funny how people will actually contradict God. Yeah. Yeah. They'll say, oh, this means this. And I'm like, but God said it means that. Right. <laughs> so if man says it means this and God says it means that, who should we side with? I believe we all say we all side with the Lord. Amen. Amen. The figures of this chapter. Look in verse 3. He talks about this ram. He said, then I lifted up my eyes and saw and behold, there stood before the river a ram which had two horns. There's the first figure. The ram with two horns is symbolic of the Mede and Persian Empire. I don't believe it. Well, let's look at verse number 20. The ram which thou sawest having two horns are the kings of Media and Persia. There you go. 
That's hard, ain't it? Now follow me. Now I'm, I'm, again, I got to cut a lot. Of, I got so much in my mind right now. My computer, the, the the thing's buffering right now. But I want you to find. He said he had two horns, and he said the 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 the, the latter horn grew up to be more noble or be stronger than the first horn. Now listen, the Medes and the Persians, the empire at the beginning of their empire, the Medes were the stronger of the two. They were led by a man named Darius. But later on in their, in their rule and in their control, a man named Cyrus come along, the king of Persia. And Cyrus, by the end of their kingdom, was the stronger and the more, more noble of these two kings. You say, what? Well, Brother Martin, what's the big deal? He's telling them this before it ever happened. <laughs> Cyrus was a baby when he wrote this. In Isaiah, God named Cyrus before Cyrus was ever born. And you tell me the Bible. This is before Google and Internet. Isaiah didn't get on Google and say, oh, somebody over in Persia had a little boy named Cyrus. No, listen, even if he had done, what are the, I'm saying this is God's word, but this, this, this ramp. Do you know what the, the, the uh, emblem that the Medes and Persians put on all their banners and on their flags, you know what it was? It was a ram. It was a ram. God said they was like a ram. And he talks about how they came and nobody stood up to them. We know that the, this is the Medes and Persians. Now, I, I, again, I've got to hurry on. Verse 5. Now here's the second character. And, and as I was considering, behold, a he-goat came from the west. Now you say, Brother Martin, who's the he-goat? Well, look in verse number, uh, verse number 21. And the rough goat is the king of Grecia. And the great horn that is between his eyes is the first king. Now think about this. The goat. Who is that? Well, the Bible says it's Greece. You say, well, that's no big deal. Well, it is a big deal because when this was written, you know what Greece was? It was just a little, little bitty country. It had nobody. It was just a nobody. And God's saying there's going to be, but not only that, he said there's going to be a king. Uh, the first king is going to be a great king. Now I've got to give you all this because we're getting, it's hot in here and my blood pressure is getting high. But that great king was a man that, by looking at history, by the way, history is his story. And, and, and listen, that's why we can't let these liberals change history and take it out. Because when they're doing that, they're attacking God because it's the story of God. And, and, and if you, now I don't know how it is now, but if you'd gone to college 20 years ago and took a class on history of civilizations, all this is right there in the history books. A man named Alexander the Great, anybody ever heard of him? Have you ever heard of the Aegean Sea? You know what Aegean means? Goat. Do you know what uh, Alexander named his son? Agus, which means the son of the goat. <laughs> These kids talk about the goat. They don't even know God was calling a man the goat before, before y'all ever was talking about Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Some of y'all, the old people don't know what I'm talking about, but the greatest of all time y'all get. Anyway. <laughs> Alexander the Great was born in 356 B.C. This is a hundred, uh, almost 200 years after Daniel wrote this, this chapter. Uh, and you can read this. It said his feet would not touch the ground. That speaks of the swiftness of his conquest. Alexander the Great hated the Medes and Persians. You want to know why? Because when they come into power, they went to Greece and they plummeted it. They... They, they killed people, they, they took their wives, their women, and he grew up with an inbred hate for the Medes and Persians. 
And when he was about 20 years old, 21 years old, he became the leader of, of Greece. And they went on a, follow me now, they went on an 11-year campaign. They never come home for 11 years. And they conquered one nation after another nation. There's all kinds of stories you can read about Alexander the Great. He was a cruel man. He was a violent man. He was an evil man. He was a bloodthirsty man. When he would step foot on an island, or he would take his spear and he would throw it into a tree and he would say, one by the spear. And he had a small army, about 70,000 men, but they were fierce and they were swift. And in 11 years, in 11 years, he conquered the entire known world. And it was all driven by a hate for the Medes and Persians. Anyhow, but you can read this in verse number 8. Therefore the he-goat waxed very great. Did you know today that military leaders and generals, they study Alexander the Great to this day. You don't know why they let our soldiers come home on furlough and deploy and, be, and get time with it. You know why? Because of Alexander the Great. He wouldn't let the men go home. He wouldn't let them see that for 11 years, Brother Mark, and they said by the end of this campaign, they were so weary and so tired that they had lost their drive to fight. But anyhow, it says that when he was strong, the great horn was broken. You know, when Alexander the Great, he died at 33 years old. They said that when he conquered the Medes and Persians that he wept and he said there, he, he wept because there were no more nations to conquer. Now there's a lot of debate about how he died. Some believe he was poisoned. He died in India though. They said some believe he was poisoned. Some believe he died of malaria. But whatever it is, he died, he died going for blood and he died in the pinnacle of his of, at, at the early age at 33 in the Bible. And he told us right there when he was strong, the great horn was broken. That's when he died. Now look, y'all may be bored, but I like this kind of stuff. Again, we're talking about the inerrancy of the Bible and the inspiration of the Bible. This is proof. Verse 8. And for it came up four notable horns, notable ones toward the four winds of heaven. Now when Alexander the Great died, he had no successor. One man said that he conquered the world, but he couldn't conquer himself. These four, these four, um, uh, these four noble, uh, horn, notable horns in verse number 8, it speaks of the, the four generals. In verse 22, it says, Not now being broken, whereas four stood up for it. Four kingdoms shall stand up for it out of the nation. This is facts, folks. This ain't, this ain't make-believe. This is truth. That he had four generals. The kingdom was divided and it fell to four generals. I, I, I can't say their names, but I'll try so y'all get a good laugh tonight. Syria came under the leadership of Seleucus. Greece came under the leadership of Lysimachus. Thrace came under the dominion of Sander and Egypt under the rule of Ptolemy. Now this is all fact. Four of them. God said four. Now you ever heard of Alexandria, Egypt? That's where the NIV, the RSV, the HIV and all the other V's come from, Alexandria, Egypt. That was, uh, Alexander set that up. He said it was going to be his heaven on earth. It was a worldly place. But anyhow, these four, so I'm telling you, everything we're reading tonight has come to pass. Now, quickly, the little horn, verse 9, it says, Out of one of them came forth a little horn. And I, 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 I'm not going to read it for sake of time because I really want to get through this tonight. But down from verse 9 through verse 14 talks about, now I wonder, now I'm just going to get ahead of myself here. 
little horn, that's a man called Antiochus. And he gave himself this name, Epiphanes. You know what Epiphany means? It means a manifestation of God. He claimed to be God. Antiochus Epiphany is a, it's a fact. I'm telling you, it's a fact. There, it, there's more proof to this than that the man, men landed on the moon. I promise you. There's more, there's more proof to this than the fact that Abraham Lincoln was assassinated in Ford's Theater. And this man, now I've got to, I've got to hurry, but verses 9 through verse 14, verses 20 through verse 25 are dedicated to Antiochus Epiphany. And now, now listen, I've, I've thought about this for three or four weeks and I've tried to find out, I've tried to ask God, I've tried to uh, uh, get an answer on this. How come we only had one little verse about probably the greatest fighting leader in the history of mankind, but we've got eight on Antiochus Epiphany? Let me tell you why. Alexander, now I'm going to tell you what I think. To, I, I, I want to be careful how I say it. Uh, Alexander the Great never hurt the Jews. He never did. And, and there's a lot I can say about that that goes along with this. I'm, i got to talk. Maybe we'll have a history class sometime. If y'all want to come, you come. But anyway, Alexander was kind to the Jews. He didn't ever attack the Jews. He, was, he, was a, he never really paid them any attention. But Antiochus Epiphany hated the Jews. Now look in verse number, verse number 9. And out of one of them came forth a little horn which waxed its seen great toward the south and toward the east and toward, here it is, and toward the pleasant land. You know what the pleasant land is? That's the promised land. That's Israel. And I've been asking myself, why is, did God only say one little thing about, about and, and then he gives us all this about this little horn? You want me to know why? Because who's this chapter? Who do we talk about first off? He, who's this focusing on? Who's this focusing on? It's focusing on the Jew. And Antiochus Epiphany. Now, I, I've got I've to just give you all this, and I'm just going to get on and get out. We're going to get done because this is, I'm about to drown right now. But, but he was a forerunner. Of the Antichrist. And now post-tribbers and amillennialists try to use Antiochus Epiphany and say that the tribulation is done, that this, but this was not the great tribulation. And I could prove it with the Bible, but I ain't going to turn there for a second time. But if you'll write down Matthew 24, verse 15, Jesus said, and after the abomination of desolation has come, then, listen, what it, here, here's, here, now remember this, in prophecy, many times, there is an immediate fulfillment of that prophecy and then there is an ultimate fulfillment. I can show you uh, illustration after illustration. There was an immediate literal fulfillment of this, uh, you understand, in a man named Antiochus and one day there is going to be an ultimate fulfillment in the Antichrist. But Antiochus Epiphanes, he hated the Jews. Let me tell you what he did. He killed 100,000 Jews in Jerusalem in one day. He took 75 priests and drove stakes through their head and drove them to the wall outside the temple. He killed the, the high priest and then he went in there and he set up a statue of Zeus in the holy place. And Brother David, he took a pig and sacrificed it on the altar. But Daniel, God told Daniel it was going to happen right there in verse number... Uh, in verse number... 
11, yeah, he magnifies him to the prince of the host. And by taking away the daily sacrifice, again, there's a lot of similarities here. Um, I, I, don't, I really wish I had more time. I wish I could take more time. But you can read on down. And where he, there's the desolation, verse number 13, concerning the death and the transgression of desolation uh, to give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden under. Now, the host there is talking about the Jews. The, the, the prince of the host is talking about the priests, the Levites, the leaders of Israel. And, and, and he, he desolate. Now, this is where it gets really amazing. In verse 14, And he said unto me, Unto two thousand and three hundred days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. So here, this is what's amazing to me. Antiochus come in and desecrated the temple, defiled the temple, offered a swine on the, on the tabernacle. This is fact, all facts. I guarantee you Biden don't, can't remember this. He don't even know what he ate for breakfast this morning. But they offered a pig on the altar and desecrated it. And 2,300 days later, a man named Judas Maccabeus, they called him Maccabeus. You know what that stands for? The hammer. <laughs> he, was, he was, and he came in and cleansed the temple and he was a priest. He was a Levite. And offered and on 2,300 days on the dot, he fulfilled this prophecy. That's amazing to me. You can doubt the Bible all you want, but I want you to know I've seen too much now. I can't doubt it. I know it's true. And, and so, but this little, the, the foreshadowing of this chapter is this. I want you all to know this tonight. Jerusalem is the nerve center of the earth. Since the days of, of, of Abraham, it's also the storm center where the warring nations since the days of Joshua have warred. It's become the peace, it'll, it will become the peace center of the earth during the millennial reign of Christ and it will be the home center of all of Israel throughout the ages to come. And if you want to know what's going on today, go to Jerusalem. Now you do what you want. And, and I, I'm not going, but but here lately, what I've done, well, I want to know something about this COVID. You know what I've been looking at, Israel, because everywhere in the Bible, if you want to know what you look at, Israel, I'm just looking at what's going on over there. How they have what, what's there? What's the deal with them? Because it seems like if you study your Bible, every time you want to find out what's going on with anything, you look to Israel and you figure it out. Maybe I'm wrong, but hey, I'd hold <laughs> rather look to there than than than, than Atlanta. But what I'm saying is, this is a foreshadow. The Antiochus is the greatest top of the Antichrist in the Bible. He is the John the Baptist of the Antichrist. Now, I've got to hurry. I'm done right here. There's a whole lot more, trust me. I've left off a whole lot. This stuff right here, it just lights my fire, cranks my tractor, whatever you want. I mean, I love it. The application. This is why I've been kind of nervous about this because... You say all this and people look at you and are like, well, so what? So what? What does this mean for me? What does this mean for us? Here it is. I'm going to give you this. God's Word's true. Amen. When we read all this, we learn one thing. God's Word is true. What I mean to say this evening is, if, if, if this Daniel chapter 8 was fulfilled literally, then guess what? I believe 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13 through 18 where the Bible says the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. I believe it's going to be literally fulfilled too. That means if, if, if 
if uh, if Daniel chapter 8, if these prophecies were fulfilled there, literally, then I believe Romans chapter 10 and verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I believe for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? I believe that with all my heart. I believe if, if this was right, if God was right about the goat, if God was right about the ram, if God was right about the four horns and the two horns and the little horn and Antiochus Epiphany and Judas Maccabeus and all that went on if God nailed it right there I believe God nailed it in John 3 16 we said for God so loved the world he gave his own what I'm saying is God's word is true it's true but then this God's people are tried and, 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 and here's the application. We're going to be tried. If you read what about back, if you read about Antiochus, you read about what happened, a lot of bad things happen to God's people. And you and I do not need to be disheartened. We don't need to, I don't, I'm not saying we ought to be gluttons for punishment. I don't believe we ought to be walking out the street saying, hey, lock me up, beat me with a whip, I, you know, stone me, hang me. I don't believe we ought to be that way. But at the same time, I don't think we ought to be shaking and pulling our covers over our head at night and peeking out over them and saying, oh no, what's going on? I believe we ought to have courage. We ought to have boldness. We ought to have faith and realize this, that the future is in God's hands. But I want to tell you something better than that tonight. If you're saved, you're in God's hands. Amen. Amen. And he's not, listen, he's not going to drop the future and he's not going to drop me and you. That's right. And I'm done right here. God's Son will triumph. Look in verse 25. And through His policy. I want you to know the wars are not won in these days with tanks and, and, and helicopters. It's through policy. Through His policy. He shall cause craft to prosper in His hand. He shall magnify Himself in His heart. Now this is all fulfilled... Again, Revelation chapter 13, the Antichrist is going to exalt himself. He's going to set up an image of himself in the temple, declare himself to be God, and he's going to declare and demand that everyone bow down to that image. And he shall magnify himself, and by peace shall destroy many. He's going to use peace to destroy many. He also shall stand up against the prince of princes and he shall be broken without hand who is the prince of princes i'll give you a hint jesus king of kings lord of lords prince of princes that's who jesus is what i'm saying is we read daniel chapter 8 and we if you don't remember anything else i said tonight remember this god's word is unequivocally and unequally true. Every jot, every tittle. I believe this Bible is inspired. I believe it's God breathed. I believe it's in air. I believe it's. I believe it's. I believe in plenary in air. I believe that not all, just all the Bible is true. I believe every word of the Bible is true. And not only that, it's been preserved and God's given to us. And when you look on TV, you don't know what to believe. And when you look on Facebook, you don't know what to believe. And you look on anything else, you don't. I'm telling you, when you open the Bible, you can say, this book is true. It's right. God's people are tried and God's son will triumph. We're going to win. We're going to win. And I look forward to the day, don't you? 
So I hope that made sense to you tonight. I hope you learned something tonight. And I really would like to talk more about it, but again, it's amazing. Study it out. Um, be careful, though, your sources. If you want to, I've got some things, like good books, sound men. Uh, this chapter's attacked now. They try to pick it apart and try to, but I'm telling you, it's true from the first verse to the last verse. And all this was told Daniel before any of it ever came to pass. And God's fulfilled every bit of it. And God's going to fulfill the rest of this book that he's promised to.